From the Faculty of Graduate Studies at York University, this is Grad Life. I'm Will Sloan. On this episode, we introduce you to the new Girls' Studies Research Network, a group that brings together researchers, scholars, practitioners, and students from all disciplinary fields. Their common interest is girlhood. Not womanhood, but girlhood. What exactly is a girl? How does the definition of girl vary? What are the issues facing girls, and what burdens and challenges are unique to them at this particular historical moment? I'm hardly an expert in this subject, so I'm joined by... I'm Deanne Williams. I'm a professor of English. Uh, I'm Natalie Coulter. I'm a professor in communication studies, and I'm also director of the Institute for Research on Digital Learning. I'm Clara Shabdelen Feliciati. I'm a professor of international law, and I'm also a barrister and solicitor with the Law Society of Ontario. A brief note. Yes, this is going to be one of those podcasts where the host apologizes for the audio quality. Sorry about the audio quality. Just try to imagine us all crouching together in a tin can, and hopefully you'll still enjoy what you're about to hear. Can I ask everybody, what is the Girl Studies Research Network? Who wants to feel that? <laughs> okay, well, um, it, it was established in response to a, an observation that there are many exciting faculty and graduate students at York currently working on Girl Studies. Um, last spring, I attended the second International Girls' Studies Association conference in, uh, in, at Notre Dame yeah. in Indiana, and I saw all these people from York on the program, <laughs> <laughs> and yes. I went to Natalie's paper on yeah. um, Christy McNichol, yeah. favorite, favorite teen girl star, um, and there were many other people making wonderful presentations, and so when I returned to York, I started sending emails trying to get everyone together, uh, and I discovered that our colleague um, Cheryl Van Dalen-Smith had in fact in- initiated a connection with other people working in girl studies maybe eight years ago and so it was good to see- to-, to meet her as well and to find out that, that this was something that has been uh, on people's minds but it's uh, good to actualize at this point. Could you uh, explain to me just briefly what girl studies is as distinct from say women's studies or feminist studies or uh, all- any other sort of intersecting disciplines? Sure. Uh, well, I can start with that. It's a, that's a big question, but I guess, um, you know, part of the thing about girl studies is that for a long time when girls were, were studied in the context of feminism and women's studies, they were always sort of thought about at the moment of becoming women, mm-hmm. right? So what does it mean about the girl? What are girls doing in terms of becoming women? What are girls being taught and learning and what are they doing when they become women? So there was sort of a pushback to that. One of the things was there was a pushback to that to sort of say, well, girls never get to be just sort of girls, right? So to sort of think about how girls are in the context of the moment. So that's that's sort of one space that um, girls is sort of pushed back on feminist studies and women's studies. Not that, you know, they're very aligned, not that there's any resistance to that, but just sort of to frame out a place in which girls can be understood in the context of the moment and that moment of, of being as opposed to something that's becoming. But I, I would say it would be a good starting point. I would just to jump add. in yeah. to say that that's, that's actually had a great impact because now when people are talking about feminist initiatives, it's also girls and women. That yes. has become the catchphrase. So it's really made a difference. Yeah. Uh, how new is girl studies? Well, uh, 
it's fairly new. I would say, you know, there's been sort of moments of girls' study scholarship that now we look back on and we say these were the big moments, particularly thinking of Angela McRobbie's work um, on girls in the context of cultural studies in the 1970s. 70s more, I guess. But um, you know, this sort of real big push, I think, came in the early, mid-90s as a pushback to Riot Girls as well. That was another kind of moment in terms of um, uh, girls' studies. And what was Riot Girls, just for those who don't know? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, gosh. Well... <laughs> I guess Riot Girls are sort of a musical moment in the 1990s of women in some ways pushing get back against uh, sort of young female singers. Most of them were sort of women, but reclaiming the word girl, using the word girl in a sort of site of empowerment, changing the word girl to G-R-R-L, um, you know, like Heaney Gill and um, Courtney Love's group, uh, a whole. Well, thank you. Yes. Courtney loves whole and that sort of thing. I think that's part of it. And, you know, people started sort of get interested in the girl and the context there. Also, I think there is this pushback to sort of second wave feminism that in many ways was fighting for women, but overlooking girls. International law, the 1990s, was a critical decade for the girl child because up until then, girls were oftentimes not referred to in international treaties. So there was really this awakening. And nowadays, in the past five, ten years, uh, the United Nations General Assembly adopted several resolutions on the girl child. So there is a momentum internationally right now. Was it just, would treaties just mention women, or did they mention boys at all? Or was this just an overlooking of all, all children or girls specifically? Very good question. So for example, the CEDAW, which is a convention on the elimination of all forms of discrimination against women, used to refer mostly to women and girls once in one very specific provision with regards to school dropout rates, for example, whereas the CRC, the Convention on the Rights of the Child, never mentioned girls. Mm -hmm. So this is a very uh, serious issue. And to go back to what we discussed before, girls were subsumed within the woman category, but it wasn't always clear whether a girl was actually a woman. And the same thing uh, the same issue arises with children because we usually think of children as a uniform group and we don't look at the challenges that specific groups experience, especially girls. So this is why there is this growing interest nowadays. It's an interesting parallel with my own field in Shakespeare studies where I started looking at girls in Shakespeare because I had noticed that people who were working on children in Shakespeare were focusing on boys. There are a number of very important boy characters in Shakespeare's plays but also because the boy actor was playing the female roles on Shakespeare stage, so where are the girls? and then wonderful work by feminist Shakespeareans going back many decades had focused on women without looking at girls and so girls had sort of fallen between the cracks of boys and women and so what is this distinctive identity and then when I started looking at girls in Shakespeare I found that he uses the word girl many more times than these international <laughs> law documents um, yeah. and has a very clear category of girlhood that is distinctive from boys distinctive from adult women as well right what I think is really interesting is like sort of talking about it through the, your own work as opposed to sort of trying to do a general definition of girlhood but in my work where girl studies really grows out of is thinking about the Spice Girls because the Spice Girls kind of illustrated the power of the female consumer right? I, I believe the words were in fact girl 
girl power. power. Exactly, yes. that's right. Exactly, girl power and the idea of like not even sort of teenage girls, but but thinking about the power of of young girls. And I think in many ways, the world in advertising and marketing and media kind of really was awoken to girls themselves and not just like oh they'll watch what boys watch so that we can kind of ignore them. But I think in the world of kind of communications and media studies, there's became a lot of interest in in how girls are kind of catered to with an audience and as consumers are treated. And Claire, tell me about your work. Well, I examine the content of international human rights treaties, such as the Convention on the Rights of the Child or the CEDAW, to assess whether the provisions that enshrine human rights take into consideration the obstacles that girl children face in exercising these rights. For example, if a provision simply protects the right to education, but it does not address right. all the obstacles that girls face in terms of safety when they go to school, discrimination they might experience in the classroom, then it does not really take into consideration uh, these challenges. And that's why I look at how possibly certain provisions of international treaties could be modified or amended or revised in order to uh, incorporate these problems and better protect girl children. And uh, Deanne, you mentioned uh, Shakespeare studies, and in fact, you are a returning champion on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> Yay! Having, having talked about Shakespeare studies before, is there anything you'd like to add? I've had a Killen Fellowship for the last year. This is my second year, which is so great. Um, and I've been able to really look very closely at something I glossed over rather briefly in my book on Shakespeare, which was that there were girl actors. And so I I've been able to start with the amazing uh, 10th century German writer, Holzbieter Gandersheim, who wrote for the girls uh, in her abbey, in Gandersheim Abbey, uh, wrote plays in Latin. Really? Um, yeah, oh and they're God. amazing plays. Yeah. Um, and working through um, the archives that records of early English drama have uncovered, as well as an, another amazing initiative called uh, British Drama, uh, edited by Martin Wiggins and Catherine Richardson, and these provide archival, all kinds of archival detail about the history of theater in which I'm able to locate many, many, many binders full of girl participants. <laughs> so it's been very productive for me and it's now, uh, for me, a matter of um, what to do with all of the uh, evidence. It was mentioned earlier that girlhood in previous generations was often regarded as this state of becoming. Do you have a working definition of what a girl is? Could I yeah, yeah, please. Gosh. She's a female and a child. Okay. What's the outer limit of childhood? That's a huge issue under the law, both in Canada, any country in the world, and under international law. Mm -hmm. Is it 18 years old? Is it Does she reach uh, majority before she turns 18? And this is a real issue internationally because girls might become women at a younger age depending on the country mm -hmm. they were born in. Additionally, it depends, it's not just the age, sometimes majority can be reached through marriage, for example, or puberty. So the definition of the girl child is not universal right now mm -hmm. when it comes to boundaries. It's very complicated in Shakespeare as well, right? So Shakespeare writes about Richard II's second wife, uh, Isabel, who he married when she was eight. Ooh, and I, yeah, I, and he yeah. and he died when she was about ten. They had rules about such things though. They had because they had this kind of issue where the girl can be married, but she's still a child. And so they had rules about consummation being a later a later thing, and they had a separate ceremony. And so that kind of thing was the case. But she was nevertheless Queen of England at this very, very young age. And so that illustrates the challenges that we face when we try to find a, a, very, a very clear and fixed category of girlhood. It, it, it opens up and spills over into all kinds of different um, identities. 
and I would say in my work, I mean, it's very different, I think, in law, but in my work, there's a resistance to have a solid definition because any solid definition would really come from a very narrow perspective. And I think the idea of girl is kind of fluid and in change and in transition and depends on the context. So while um, it's kind of something sort of always pulling you in to sort of have a hard deadline of when it start when it stops but also when it starts too I mean what point do we sort of start talking about people as girls and young people as girls that's on the other end of the of the scale that they sort of move from babies to girls and when do we gender children and that sort of piece uh, is our other sets of questions and I think in in my work in my field girlhood is really constantly being pushed out because we know that young people are living you know longer with their families they're living longer in terms of um, entering into the workplace, they're at school. So even that sort of notion of, of what how people define themselves as girls is constantly kind of being pushed. And, you know, in the context of thinking about themselves as youth and young people and all those other terms. Are there disciplines of, like, teen studies or childhood studies that intersect here? <laughs> Yeah, there is childhood studies and child and youth and children child, girls studies actually have um, a bit of attention and in November I'll be doing a small mini conference about some of the tensions between childhood studies and girls studies um, and in my work which is on tween girls ages sort of 7, 8 to 12 or 13 that sort of pre-teenager year I'm always kind of reminding people that girls aren't just teenagers because in some ways the teenage girl has sort of taken over particularly when we think about media and social media and people who study those, those sorts of things the focus is always on teenage girls because often the media is quite more a lot more exciting but uh, we have to kind of always remember to kind of push down and include younger girls in that as well I take it that girl studies isn't something that's limited to one academic field right what is the span and the scope of the research network so exciting! We've yeah, got law, nursing, digital media studies, uh, environmental studies. Those are just the ones that come out of the top of my head. Yeah, like education, English, education. Yeah, yeah. yeah. theater. The theater. Yeah. 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 Yes. Uh, yeah. Science? Are, are there any science? Is there a way to work science into it? Just out of curiosity. I'm sure. I don't at the moment. I can't or, think or of mathematics. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There is, in fact, uh, one of um, the issues we'll be discussing is girls accessing education in terms of STEM, so mm, science, technology, yeah. engineering, and this is a, an area that some of our colleagues are working on as well. Yeah. What are you hoping to get from the event and from the research network more generally? Well, that's a great question. Well, we're hoping to learn more about each other's work, um, most importantly. Uh, we're hoping to start a series of conferences. Natalie's will be the first uh, of many, I hope. We like the uh, model already provided us by the Victorian Studies Network, where they have regular brown bag lunches, uh, very low-key, um, but really getting to know uh, in a more detailed way than the 3 by 3 by 3 yeah. format uh, what people are working on. And I think we're also really hoping to branch out and to include more uh, scholars working on girlhood in the GTA and across Canada as well. We're really uh, hoping that yeah. York will become a hub for girls' research. Yeah, and I think one of the really exciting things about today and about starting the, the network is how many graduate students are working in girls and doing work around uh, girls. So I think try to find ways to bring them in because so often I think they're, they are doing studies on girls but they're not with girl studies scholars. They're with whatever the other piece is. So it's kind of exciting to find net, like, links between that. One of the things at the ICSA, International Girls Studies Association yeah. meeting in, uh, in Notre Dame, 
frame that was fascinating for me was the number of scholars who said, this has been a labor of love for me when I was a graduate student. It was my little side project, but no one said I could work on girls on film or girls in Shakespeare adaptation. My, you know, my, my supervisor said I could never get a job. So I did this other thing and then how delighted I was to discover that story. I heard more and more times uh, over the course of that uh, conference. And also to address stereotypes, because some scholars even, and some people believe that girl studies is too specialized or that it's not relevant. So that unfortunately, even today, yeah. so it's important for us to adopt this multidisciplinary approach to join forces, to share information, and also we plan long term to partner with organizations that promote girl children's rights yeah. in the GTA Toronto, but also in Canada and hopefully internationally, because our research could inform new policies that are adopted and vice versa. These policies uh, and good practices uh, informs our research. The welfare of girls has been called the key moral issue of our time. Yes. So yes. It's a very serious yes. topic mm-hmm. um, and one which has many yeah. spaces and much potential. Mm-hmm. Could I ask about that a little bit? I mean, I'm sure I could probably guess why it's uh, the key moral issue of our time, but what are some of the issues at play there? Well, I think part of it is just that the argument is that girls bear the brunt of a lot of sort of social change, right? So if you think about just digital culture and digital technology, well, often the kind of blame for kids are on phones too much, well, that's really something that's articulated around girls, right? Or um, girls do bear the brunt, like socially, economically, politically, often are the ones, you know, being disempowered and being marginalized in society often means that you're the ones that sort of bear the brunt, and I think often girls bear the brunt of social change. You you remind me that how girls are at the forefront just in the last few weeks of news. Yeah. Uh, there's the wonderful Bianca Andreescu from New York, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and her behavior on court was described and criticized, right, as too cocky, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting and loaded term. For, um, a, for an athlete that's trying to, like, would you ever say that? I know, I know, right? She's too cocky. She just wants and yeah. yeah. Or Greta Thunberg as well, right? Her incredible work mm-hmm. on climate change, right? But a girl, again, right? A vocal girl, and she has also received all kinds of criticism for being so uh, out front uh, yes. in terms of the in terms of the issue, right? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting yeah. and how, how much like, girls are policed, right? Yeah. I mean, Greta Thunberg, Thunberg yeah. is policed in terms yeah. of how she behaves and what you said about being too cocky, but also you know, there's huge discussion about the. TDSB dress code. Yeah. Nobody cares about what boys wear. It's all about what girls are wearing wear. in terms of how it impacts boys, yeah. right? So that constant kind of policing, I think, is another. And Boris Johnson referring to one of his political opponents as a big girl's yes. blouse, which is yes. a fascinating yes. northern English expression that I don't really fully uh, no. begin to understand, but you can get where we're going here with, with yeah. what that means. But, yeah. uh, so we've got all kinds of different ways of interpreting girls and girlhood um, that are very And I'm sure in your work that, that girls often bear the brunt, you, you're quite... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We, we refer to it as a double burden mm-hmm. of girlhood mm-hmm. because girls oftentimes worldwide have to perform many chores in the home, help raise their brothers and sisters, help cook, help, help clean, and at the same time try to get an education. So that doesn't leave much room for homework, for studying. Mm-hmm. And in fact, girls are underrepresented when it comes to school attendance uh, worldwide. That's a huge issue as well. Mm-hmm. Girls are often involved in domestic work where they're really at risk of exploitation physical and sexual exploitation, 
uh, in the home because it's in the private sphere, so it's not public. It can be hidden. And also, girls are victims of violence uh, in many contexts, in the war context, also additional sexual violence. This is a, another issue. As well as even when we talk about the um, over-sexualization of girls in the media and this pressure that adolescent girls are experiencing as regards beauty models, beauty ideals. All the girls in, uh, in Canada, for example, who have eating disorders, who consider undergoing plastic surgery just so that they can fit these unrealistic beauty models that are imposed by Hollywood, and even to a certain extent also by Bollywood. So these perfect, beautiful yeah. women, but with plastic uh, faces in some cases. Yeah, and I think that that sort of issue is the lack of voice that girls have to control their own stories, right? That often in their own cultural production, often stories told about girls are not by girls. And I think there's a shift that way. I think there's more, you know, there's a definitely a more uh, sort of stronger push to have kind of girls' voices being part of cultural production. It's a challenge to do that historically. It's a challenge to look for a girl's voice in uh, the context of book history uh, as well as in the context of theater history. It's sort of parallel to our own challenges today, trying to give girls a voice and to create a space for them. Well, we invite anyone who's listening to this, if they're interested in girls' studies, to join the network, to attend meetings. We plan to have a conference yep. in the fall next year uh, where we'll be inviting scholars from everyone in the world and also from various disciplines. So you're all welcome to join us. And where can they uh, sign up? So we have on the page of the Center for Feminist Research at York University, there's a new cluster, which is our cluster, the Girls' Studies Research Network, and we'll have information there. But we will also always share information with Wi-File News and the Center for Feminist Research. Great. We're also open to being emailed yeah. individually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, through and have, I think we have a, we should, I'm not sure if we do yet, but have a list or member yeah. list, like, which is yeah. pretty easy to do. For more information on the Faculty of Graduate Studies, go to gradstudies.yorku.ca. Thanks for listening.